listening to what up what up what up and welcome to another episode of the fortnite podcast your host here monster dface and we are bringing you guys another episode i promise you we had content planned in between the weeks what happened was we tried to do it live the entire thing failed while we were in uh copenhagen and then panda was supposed to edit the video right away and i promise you he said he was going to do it for like three days straight. By the time it got back, it was all scrapped. But we're back home now. We had a great FNCS travel. We'll get into everything here and now. But first, of course, we want to thank you guys for being patient with us. We are back. Panda, my boy, the floor is yours. Defend yourself. All right, listen. Okay, look, it's very, very busy when we're in Copenhagen, right? We literally filmed the podcast on the same day that we're doing like content. And the next day was rehearsal. And we were running around, cope like it, there's a lot going on. To be fair, but no, in all seriousness, I, I it was kind of my fault. I didn't sit in the second half of the podcast. So uh, hey, you get this one instead. Got, so <laughs> today's our follow up. Today's our follow up. We got a lot to talk about. We will do our best to condense all of our thoughts. We'll do our hot takes on Denmark as in general, right? And and our and our thoughts and feels. And I mean, I'll still probably release the other stuff. Uh, just a fair warning: the audio is mega scuffed because we are using like a camera mic it, it, but, but it's cool you i think you guys really enjoy it uh, of course we have sbg here as well my boy somebody's gun what up brother what's up gents the uh the live podcast it was just a teaser of some awesome things to come so you, you should definitely stay tuned because you know there'll be there'll be more of those hopefully and we'll, we'll make it better better each time right that's the goal the goal is to make them much, much better, guys. And that way, when we are traveling, because it does look like in-studio sessions are back in full effect, when we're traveling, we'll be able to do them pretty much live. The setup that we created at Panda's place, essentially, at the hotel, it was actually great. Yes, the audio is a little off, but it's what you expect of us being in somewhat of a hotel room and a five-minute idea coming to life. But it was actually really, really fun to see it all go down. And that was hosted on my personal channel. So we'll, we'll talk more about it. We'll get you guys some details where you can kind of tune in. And, you know, it'll it'll be a for sure vibe. I'm telling you. Something that you want to keep up with and look out for. And talking about things that we want to continue to look out for. Fortnite hits the nail on the head with the new season kickoff. Um, we'll start with the collision event. The collision event happened in-game. It was, as always, in Fortnite fashion, done big, crazy, interactive, and you were able to pretty much experience this with friends. Panda, you were one of the few people who really got to, I guess, keep your eye on the ground for this one. Uh, talk to me about the collision event. Yeah, it was incredible. Uh, as far as events go, I mean, obviously, no one does it like Fortnite. I mean, we could reference back to this King Kong Godzilla event that Warzone did, and it's literally just like them standing across each other in the map, just jumping up and down like it's nothing special. But when Fortnite creates an event, it's, it really is truly something special. And that's what this was. It was you hopping in the mech um, and and defending the island against the IO. Um, and, and, and just being able to control the mech and take out the little shields to progress forward. It's funny. There were, like, small mechs on the island, which made me wonder if, like, originally in this season coming into it, they were supposed to bring mechs back, like the tanks um but they didn't so it didn't work out that way but in the event there were mechs there were tanks there were everything and you just see them kind of like some of the verbiage they used in the event was like trolly towards the mechs as well so it's kind of funny like a hint a nod to the community like yo we get it the mechs were a little too powerful here's a little joke about it that's, um, that's really cool actually i didn't i didn't catch that i get to catch the full recap like that and, and get the audio lines but 
That's almost like uh, an Easter egg, if you will, right? Like, the mm-hmm. devs are here, you guys loud and clear. We know they're powerful or whatever, right? Like, that's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, it was dope. And so I didn't get to watch it live, but I immediately watched it after it took place at DreamHack Dallas, right? Like, I was literally pulling into DreamHack Dallas as the event was starting. Um, so I ran to a computer in the free-to-play area so I can watch it on the YouTube channel. Now, obviously, if you've never watched it on the YouTube channel, like the Fortnite YouTube channel, they do it really well because they grab every camera angle they really want you to focus on, which kind of makes the viewing experience a little bit nicer and it's more catered to exactly what the event's about, right? Than just being in there as a player, but obviously it's fun to watch it as a player. But I'm sitting there watching the event and ironically, uh, rolling up behind me, American Dad stops with the group that I was with as I'm watching this event. And they're like, oh, is that the Fortnite event? And and my friend behind me is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, cool. And they like have a conversation. He walks away. I don't find this out until after the event's over. I'm like, yeah, dude, that's sick. He's like, yeah, you missed American Dad. I'm like, uh, <laughs> what? You're like, you are going to stop me to say, okay. But no, incredible event. Uh, it's definitely, if you haven't watched it, go to Fortnite's YouTube channel. Go to any top creator's YouTube channel from the Fortnite scene. They have their reactions there. I know the boy Brave was editing 30 videos <laughs> that nonstop. day to get it out. It was crazy. But yeah, no, go check it out for sure. Yeah, hats off yeah. to uh, all of our editors in the space. Not to cut you off, though, SVG, but, you know, just I just want to give a thanks. You know, they're the unspoken heroes of the content creation space. But go ahead, SVG. Yeah, no doubt. Definitely deserving to give those guys a shout, too. So the one thing I, I loved about this event is I also had to watch it. I wasn't able to actually play it myself, but it seems like a mini little TV episode that's interactive that you get to participate in. It wasn't just like a quick 30 second, one minute thing. It was several minutes where you get to, you're in the mech, then you're on the ground fighting off like IO guards. You're using weapons that are in the game. And that's when we first saw one of the new weapons. We'll talk about that a little later. And then it's given you glimpses of what's going to be in the new season. There was a, a crossover not crossover but it was obi-wan versus darth vader gave you a little peek at that's coming soon um and it was just so cool i mean we're so spoiled by fortnite events it's actually crazy because this is probably one of the coolest in-game events that has ever happened if not the coolest and it almost seems like this is now the norm for fortnite which is unbelievable because this is, put it in any other game, this is the best thing that's ever happened. And just to add to that real quick, that Darth Vader Obi-Wan scene in the in-game event is actually pulled directly from episode three, which came out last Wednesday of Obi-Wan. So it's meant to be an in-game version of what is actually happening in the world of Obi-Wan Kenobi. So just a fun fact. I don't have a live bleeper, guys, but I'm so sorry if you were spoiled. (laughs) Yeah, bro. I'm I'm so happy I actually watched the episode. Uh, I've been so pissed at you right there. Oh, my gosh. Uh, My bad. I was going to say, you can can say sorry now if you want. listen, Listen, Fortnite did it. It's not me. You know, I just I'm just reporting the news. You know, that's what a podcast is for. But no, I mean, look, uh, it was incredible regardless. And it's it's that like attention to detail that makes everything that much more special. Definitely huge. Uh, love that we like you said, the events are literally a teaser, right? You, you kind of get a taste of what's to come. Obviously, after the event's over, servers go down. Everyone's pretty much outed from Fortnite. The general community sense uh, consensus was they loved it. No one had anything really bad to say about it. The event was interactive. It was immersive. It's everything that you kind of look forward to an event. And it does seem like Fortnite has been 
slowly but surely, I guess, moving in this direction of bigger events, bigger spectacles, more kind of like playthrough sessions, not just sit back and watch a cinematic from where we began. And that's also, I guess, a hats off to the Unreal 5 engine, right? I believe that they use now for the Fortnite mm -hmm. game as well. So um, they talked about the reasoning, right? Many, many years back when we were looking at why did all this change? Why the game feels different? It's because we're moving closer and closer to this crazy new product. So servers go down, servers come back up, new season hits, and it hits hard. A lot of things change here. The map's different. Uh, they take Command Cavern, they turn it into the Rave Cave. Uh, the Greasy Grove gets bombarded with like mushrooms and all kinds of stuff. The entire feel of the game, I felt like, and, and including through the trailer, took us down this route that seems kind of, I don't know, alien, if you will, right? Like we're getting real mystical with it. Is it feels very Avatar-ish. The colors, the the new feel, but the only thing that didn't come with that is like weapons to match that theme. And I don't know if that's gonna change, right? Right now the game feels very much like the last season in the sense like straightforward weapons you know none of these weird sounding like you know we're not looking at laser rifles is what i'm trying to say guys no no kind of weird mythical items in the game just yet but the map surely looks that way it looks like the game is going to be flipped pretty much upside down is what i'm trying to say here um so let's talk about the loop pool let's talk about um some of the changes that have come to the game because this affects Everyone as a whole collectively, whether that's, you know, your zero build gamers or your arena competitive gamers, because to kick things off, I think the biggest change is the removal of the launch pads, right? No longer in the game. Mm -hmm. uh, let's start off with you, Life. Oh, man. When I, so I got into a game and it took me about two games before I realized launch pads weren't here. And I was, in the moment, I'm like, how do you take away something that's so like key and, and in recent seasons, is like the only solid mobility in the game. Then I started to play it, and I started to play around with Shockwaves, and I started to play around with the Riftigos, and it actually doesn't feel bad. Riftigos are a little strong, to be honest. However, I think they're just... It, it, it's While it's a little bit stronger than I think the Launchpad meta was, I don't think they're necessarily super broken. I do wish Shockwaves would be adjusted a little bit, but... Well, one thing about the Rift to go is you can only carry one, right? So there were definitely adjustments to it. Or sorry, you can carry two, but what, what I meant to say is that more so when you, since last season, when you use that Rift to go, you cannot pick up other items, which is kind of the, it's the double-edged sword now. This was not a change that happened last season, but Rifts weren't necessarily in competitive leaning into the actual uh, comp mode or whatever. So I guess most players didn't maybe realize this was a change unless you were playing the regular game mode. But I think that kind of balances the rift more than anything else. I think rifts have a cool place in the game because it creates chaos and like chaos and a commentary level and like a competitive level, a little bit of chaos is very fun. You can't have too much chaos. And I think too much chaos is when we start getting into that discussion of shockwaves being introduced into the game. We have seen shockwaves in Fortnite for so many, like, what about there's there's someone at epic like there's some dev at epic that's like like this is how the game needs to be there's probably something so epic about the shockwaves and the clips that come from it and things like that that they genuinely love this item because they keep seeping their way back into comp and the players hate it um sbg what's your quick hot take on shockwaves and them being in comp again um never a fan quick take okay. just not just 
they totally can ruin somebody's game on accident. Like you don't even have to make a purposeful play, just break builds, fall into somebody's box and then it's over. But nonetheless, I do think that the rift to goes will be good. I, I think that's a solid balance. And overall, I think rift to goes shockwaves are awesome for like pubs and arena. It's going to be awesome to see that play out. I mean, I was playing with Panda yesterday. We were playing with a crew and in pubs and arena, it's a lot of fun to have all those movement items because you're not necessarily trying to play in a stacked end game. You're going to look for fights. You're going to, to find other players. And that's what that experience has become. But as far as the competitive side, I don't know that those necessarily match up. Uh, I'm cool with riffs. We can see how those go. We don't necessarily need to take it one specific way thus far. But Shockwaves, as I saw yesterday in the uh, performance evaluation and as I've seen in scrims, it, it just ain't it, boys. Yeah, and, and I want to jump on just talking about like pro players putting out very positive, I guess, feedback. The first time ever we see Yamzo drop what he called a Fortnite wish list. And I love that he just called it a wish list, right? It's it's aka, bro, this is what I want in the game in a nice way. And I feel like the only reason we even got him to tweet this out in a nice way, he's been included in content pieces, right? He's kind of been a part of the back end. So you almost get that, you almost earn that respect from the players. And it's cool to see him um just shedding his uh, or sharing his thoughts in a positive way. But his wish list was for another change, heavy snipers to be removed from the game, which is a recent introduction back into competitive. Heavy snipers have always been a very powerful weapon, um, and they changed it recently, right? Not too long ago, so that you can't just one-shot, headshot someone with a blue heavy sniper or whatever. It does like 185, I think, at max damage, uh, 132 or something like that to the body. It's really respectable damage, um, but it can still bust through certain builds, certain walls, and all that kind of stuff, depending on your rarity. And, and how soon you obviously put that shot down. But he talked about remove nothing spawning from chest. So that's a bug in the game where nothing can spawn from a chest. So that's kind of silly. Mm -hmm. I think that he would he would throw that in there. But I think what he should have added there was 100% chest spawn rates. I'm always going to be an advocate for that. That's just strategy mm -hmm. at a high As level. Am I. Yeah, like that should be in the game. Um, He actually talks about the loophole in general. He thinks that the rate of weapons should just be buffed up in competitive so that you are picking up weapons that you can adequately defend yourself with as opposed to common gun weapons in the game. And I'll say that in a nice way because he did call them something completely different. <laughs> it is. <supposed> <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he, he says no ammo on the map. So I'm assuming that he's not finding as much ammunition, not that there shouldn't be ammo on the map. Um, he wants fires to return back to the game, which is pretty cool to see that that's like a mechanic in the game. Fire in the game is genuinely powerful. So cool or interesting to see that he thinks that it should be in the game because that's like a strategy. You blow a vehicle up, the floor gets set ablaze or use fireflies and things like that. A way to flush enemies out. And then he talks about not the removal of shockwaves, but lowering the spawn rate of shockwaves. And I've actually seen multiple players advocate for this over the full removal of them. They say that finding a shockwave should feel almost like pulling half in, half out. Like, if you get it, nice. You know what I mean? Like, heck yeah. Like, you get some good rotates out of that. You could use it however you want to use it. Whether that's, like, to save yourself or take a fight and do some disgusting play, right? Or go for high ground, whatever. But I actually really like that idea, too. Like, what if we don't remove them? They're just, they're just so rare. Because, unfortunately, 
they don't seem very rare. Like, you kind of find them very frequently. And a lot of players do tend to have them. And then he just goes on to talk about lowering the damage of the uh, burst rifle, the SMG, fire rate. And last but not least, he kind of touches on vehicles. He thinks that either there should be all vehicles in a game or the removal of all vehicles, which I kind of like that take too. I think either, yeah, bring them in the game or don't have them at all, right? The mix of in-between makes it, I guess, kind of hot, right? As far as like people that do get one because your POI is going to guarantee you one. It provides a huge competitive edge for anyone that has a vehicle, let's be honest. Yeah, and we saw the IO cars pop back up. So there's a couple IO cars scattered throughout the map once again, at least in the uh, the arena and competitive modes. So we do have those vehicles. Uh, one other big change is the addition of three new weapons. So we have three new weapons coming into this season. One's the DMR. It's a mix between the semi-auto sniper rifle and the scoped AR. It's like somewhere in between that scale. Essentially, you have 10 bullets, you fire away, just about 50 to the body and 1.4, 1.25 to the head. So it's like 80 to the head, about 90 on the upper levels. So it's not like anything crazy. You're not going to be one-shotting people, but it is a decent long-range weapon to get some damage in. We also have the Hammer AR, which to me seems like if you've never played this season, you're trying to figure out what it is. It feels like the tactical AR but just slow down. Like you, you throw the Ranger and the tactical AR, put them into one weapon. That is what the hammer feels like to me. And then the two shot is a really interesting shotgun that I don't know is going to be the play at least right now, but it fires two shots right away. And then you have to recock your weapon and then you can fire another two shots. So there's eight shots in a clip, essentially four shots out of that. And it puts out, okay damage it's nothing crazy for a shotgun compared to the auto and the the striker right now but we'll see those, those weapons were just introduced it's really interesting to see them nothing is crazy overpowered um and I, I do think there could be potential for all of them given you know a change here or there or maybe someone figures out something i haven't yet yeah and and the two shot is definitely one of those ones that the pros are not vibing with it's just it's not powerful enough to replace the striker let alone the auto shotgun. So it, it it just hasn't quite found its place yet. Now, can they buff it up? Potentially. We all know that when they introduce new weapons like that, they are here to stay. Like, they're going to be a part of this loot pool. So figure it out, and or we'll see the adjustments come. Even when we had the auto shotguns, remember, those got a buff out the gate. Like, and now they're pretty viable. So eventually they did get that adjustment as well. Uh, Panda, I saw you kind of looking to jump in there as well. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of changes to the weapons and just in general, like comp. Yeah, we. <clears throat> one thing we do have to talk about is the heavy sniper real quick. I know we kind of talked about it, but it very oddly got an increase in spawn rate. It looks like for the performance evaluation cup last night. And it wasn't even just like a small bump in spawn rate. It was like 100 times the spawn rate. Like people were leaving POIs with six heavy snipers. Like what? I, I, think, I think that's because... Like, let's all be honest. Snipers were not used last season. Like, mm -hmm. they really weren't. Like, you maybe saw Booga with it. And that's because Booga's just one of the only disgusting any East players who, like, knows how to use a sniper. And he's been using it since pre-World Cup, right? That's, like, his surge strategy. And a player like Bizzle would also opt into, like, the silent sniper way back when. When it wasn't even meta. Like, there was literally Bizzle and Booga using those things. Way ahead of the game, if you will, in their own strategic ways. Um... Mm -hmm. 
I think the play on the heavy snipers from Epic side is like, how, <laughs> I guess, how many snipers do we have to put in your face to like pick it up, use it, learn to like it, right? Maybe that's what they're trying to feel out right now. Is it that players have just decided they want to move away from snipers in the game as a whole? Because you have things like the burst rifle, just more reliable with the, you know, aim down sight, etc. Or is it that, you know, the weapon is great. We just got to reintroduce them to it again. Like, hey, yeah, use that. Because there was a time when, dude, you found a heavy sniper. You were dropping, like, something in your inventory slot for it. Let's not forget, that was a true meta. Granted, it was a different time, though, right? We're talking Zayt and yeah. Saf, double heavy snipe box times. We're talking, you know, Zexro and Macwood opening that box with the double. You know what I mean? It's a different time, different types of players, different groups of players. Um. Do you believe that the weapons just changed so much, Panda, that it doesn't have a place anymore? Because it's duo season. If we were looking at the history, history says duo season heavy sniper was like a, a massive success, at least as well, I, far I as players using it. Yeah, I definitely think it has a spot, right? And, and now with the hammer assault rifle, it makes it a little bit more viable to carry in the inventory. And what I mean by that is you can choose now, hey, do I go striker pump or do I go SMG? Great. Next inventory slot, if I don't have an SMG, I can go hammer AR because it's it's something that you could, in theory, jump in boxes with and just hip fire. It's obviously not going to be as effective as the um, SMG is. However, if you know how to use a striker shotgun, you know how to use that heavy sniper to get into the box, Like there, the value is there now with this adjustment to the loot pool. So that's what I think we're going to see some, some movement on. I do think we're going to see the striker uh, pump shotgun, the hammer AR, and the heavy sniper used in combination to to get in like for the more aggressive players like a reet for example to just get into boxes get involved and, and hopefully catch other players off guard and that's ideally what it's going to be about and the the double heavy snipe gives so many different plays like we we've seen the double heavy snipe just cause chaos in in mid and end games and we saw it last night in the performance of al players were, were using that all over the place because like you said there were so many snipers but there's also a lot of cool plays because it, the heavy sniper is one of the few weapons that can just take and break a wall right so you can do pre-edit plays with it you can do drop down plays from above it doesn't necessarily just need to be like one person taking out a wall one person dealing damage with a snipe there's a lot of cool things you could do with heavy snipers or double heavy snipes so i'm not opposed to them being in the game i think it would be cool to see how that works out because it has been what almost like a year since we last saw them in competitive so hey maybe it doesn't work but let's give it a shot because i, I like new things i like i like seeing how this all plays out and, and that's genuinely why i think they like just they put the, the spawn rates on crack like they just they turn them into something crazy <laughs> they're making them appear everywhere i think it's intentional to reintroduce the strategy that was once available with the heavy sniper um and also we we just have new players like just really think about the player the top players from last year till now um a lot have come and so many so many have actually entered in and tons have gone out right so like there there's definitely a lot going on here so we'll we'll see what happens um it's definitely a game changer i would say this season what i like most about the season there is a fresh atmosphere amongst the, the loop pool right now, at least where it stands right now. There's going to be a, a different pacing, a different feel of the game. Granted, we still have SMGs in the game, which SMGs are always going to be that 
quick elimination pickup, right? And it's it's always going to feel the same. It's going to make that close quarter engagement feel the same. But I think in general, with the new options, the new opportunities, the DMR, etc., Hammer ER, there's there's some stuff to play with that here, and there's going to create some new highlights, some new feel to the game, especially with heavy snipers as well, opening up big headshots and big body shots and things like that. So really cool about that. One of the biggest changes I did not expect to see coming in here was something called Storm Sickness. This is like a brand new introduction to the game. Fortnite and the Epic devs have essentially decided that they're done with players playing this heal-off strategy where you don't really play the BR. Instead, you kind of amass as many heals as possible. You sit in the storm and you try to cheese your way to high placement points. There is strategy behind this. It takes a lot of time, uh, trial and error, and math, honestly, to develop your heal-off strategies. But it seems like those days are gone. And they're gone before anyone even knew they would be, right? It's almost like, yeah, this one hit players by uh, by surprise. You've had players literally build careers off this. Uh, Panda, break down storm sickness for us. What that means for the listeners and for competitive players. Just so we kind of get a nice update on what this is. Yeah, absolutely. So... What this is, is it's the biggest counter to the Kray strat and the heal off uh, that SVG loves so much. Um, <laughs> but it, it basically, the way that it works is if you spend about eight minutes in the storm, you will, you will come down with this storm sickness, right? It, it is something that will cause severe damage to you while you're in the storm. So not just the casual storm damage, it will actually increase and it'll increase so much that there is nothing you can do to combat it. Now, you may be thinking, oh, as a pro player, like, oh, I occasionally fight in Storm. I spend time in Storm. Well, eight minutes is a lot of time in Storm. So, yes, you can still fight in Storm. You can still play Storm uh, to get nice dead side rotation and, and place yourself well in, inside of the zone. Um, and sh you shouldn't have to run into that issue. And if you do, if you do feel like you're getting close to that, there is an act, there's like a actual alert that pops up on your screen like Storm Surge does, and it'll let you know that you are coming close to that. So don't worry, you're not going to be caught off guard. You'll know at least 30 seconds, I believe, if not a minute in advance that this storm sickness is going to hit you. So at that point, you need to make sure you're, you're using some kind of rotation to get out of the storm. Here's my biggest thing about this change here in particular. It, it's not like what the change is, like storm sickness is cool, all that. To me, it's like the whole concept that they can introduce this entire new like warning system or messaging system at a threshold. Like there's like a mechanic at play here that is literally introduced to the BR that's completely different that we've never seen outside of Storm Surge warning you about something. But it shows you that they can track metrics in the game and then they can like trigger things in the lobby for your individual experience. I think that is really cool and I, hopefully it doesn't like affect server performance because to me this just sounds like we just added a whole entire stressful ticker that like the server has to worry about and like track and read but that entire idea i don't know where it can go where it's going to develop or whether the features are in the works but that that entire idea sbg is again just, just trippy to me like because it's like a it's like a thing yeah that's really interesting because i didn't even Think about that, like that. It's a whole new thing. What you got, Pan? Your screen is gonna say something. <laughs> Breaking news: Okay, we have removed both shockwave grenades and heavy sniper rifles from competitive playlists. Oh my gosh! As Just we're talking now, about it, 
as we are talking about. Literally 30 seconds ago. Yup, two yep. minutes ago, Fortnite Status has tweeted it. So it looks like they're going to try this out. We're continuing to monitor your gameplay, make competitive adjustments during the preseason as necessary. We intend to make adjustments in a faster manner than in previous seasons. Holy. Oh, so That's huge. That is that very, is very big. And I guess now that they actually tweeted that, I can talk about that. Because at DreamHack Dallas, and I was chatting with Hogman, he, he gave us that heads up. He told me, he was like, hey, I'm going to try to push for things faster this season. And, well, all right. He's keeping his word already. Two days. <laughs> Two days. Crazy. That's amazing. That's a, look, that's an amazing start. And, and that's what the community was hoping for when they heard that Hogman was going to get hired in a position like that, is that he would be able to help push some of that stuff a little bit quicker. And, and sure enough, he did, man. And, and it's crazy. But, you know, look, we got to talk about DreamHack Dallas because you brought it up, Monster. And you and I, you know, we got to hang out a little bit. Yeah. So, obviously, if you read the title of today's episode, okay, there's no more beating around the topic here. DreamHack Dallas, <laughs> before we get into the, the antics of what was DreamHack Dallas, it was fun. Let's talk about the positives. Let's highlight the positives of DreamHack Dallas because, man, I was so impressed being in the land pit with the players, watching Snacky and all the West boys, their little corner, just dominate and pop off. Um, it was so much fun. It was very yeah. cool. But then we had the tournament. So, so let, but, but again, all right, let's start from square one. Let's talk about Mag Dallas. It wasn't perfect. The land, it was shambles. Let's be honest. We show up to the land, and it just seemed like there wasn't as much care and attention to what was this in-person event as there could have been. And I say that because the administration process, dude, it was a wreck. We had players trying to queue into a tournament with a publicly available custom key, not an in-game activation, not any kind of official support in the tournament game, but instead through third-party tools. And the problem with this is that you're always going to risk the security of people taking those keys and sharing them. And literally, that caused upwards of a two-hour-plus delay to the tournament because you had people taking these keys and sharing them in open screens, and Kangarna scrims and everywhere in the scrim community. And just so you guys can understand the like what that means, in the land guys, we had 250 players. You had over 500 players in the queue. So you had 2x the amount of people trying to participate in this event when there's $25,000 on the land that there should not have been in the first place. Um so I, I want I want to kick it off there because we have lands returning. But this means that the greater good of lands also needs to be taken care of, right? Like, we need these experiences to go well. Because for some, these are their first opportunities. You're showing up to play an in-game tournament with your friends and peers, and no one wants to be losing out on, like, three hours of time. Yeah, and, but this is what I will say, right? When things like this happen, it's a good learning experience, not only for DreamHack, but for Epic. Because we haven't talked about this either, but uh, the official in-person event for November, because we haven't been able to talk about that, like that was announced during FNCS Finals. And this is just kind of leading into that, right? These lands that we're seeing pop up, starting with DreamHack Dallas, of course, is, um, is a learning experience to get to that great experience for us at the end of the year. But we'll dive more into that later when we talk about FNCS Finals. But regardless, um, it was definitely a learning experience. You talked about how Hogman was there as well. 
which in my opinion is another good sign for the community to take away be like listen they're there they're paying attention to what is going on with these events they want to make sure that they're creating a very special event and uh while things were going awry you already know they were there trying to help everybody was trying to help and that was the cool thing to see like you had arab you had aussie you had monster all hopping on calls, getting a hold of people, getting uh, admins connected with Connor and the team, like creating uh, a streamlined process to get the tournament going. Because if that didn't happen, if no one offered that connection there, they ultimately would have been they would have canceled. postponed or canceled. There, no and, doubt about it. No doubt mm -hmm. about it. I think I think it would have canceled. Shout out to Connor and Felix because they just stepped up and gave that voluntary support. Um, they didn't have to at all, and they went as far as even connecting with uh, Badmate, who's like the developer of Unite, and got him inside the Discord, and you know had him put his time in to literally oversee things, make sure the bot is as in great condition as it could be, and making sure that they had the resources, the tools, and anything they needed at their disposal. And also, a hats off to Manu, who was there as well to offer and help facilitate that extra support on the admin side. So. Yes, we had like community pillars. And again, even myself, FaceTiming Connor, going to the admins, creating a literal direct communication pipeline. Like, hey, this is the man you are talking to. This is what you need to do right now, right? And we came up with a solution to make the tournament happen, which was great. But, bruh, if uh, Arab wasn't there or myself, right? Or yourself to just who like knew who to tap into, like it really would have been rats, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. But- that's the negative of DreamHack. There were, well, not not the only negative. There were some positives there too. <laughs> Shout out to Ritual X God who took home first place at DreamHack Dallas. The qualification process, it wasn't the greatest. There were four games. Basically, the most consistent after those four games became your top 90 to 100 finalists that got to play in the actual finals tournament, which again, had its competitive format for six games. Um, those six games turned out to be uh, pretty fun. We watched them from the uh, crowd pan before I pieced out to go enjoy some dinner. But I mean, the the games were popping off. Everything was kind of going as we expected. And then uh, like all hell broke loose. Let's talk about it. Diego, after four games leading in the tournament, popping off here, playing the best solo run of his life, honestly. And it's shout out to Diego. Shout out to Ritual. Shout out to Yuz, shout out to these new solo players that we expect that we see do well. We kind of hype up on the FNCS stage because uh, they're paired up with big names. But watching them pop off individually, earn their respect individually as the good players that they are was definitely something really cool and what I love most about this DreamHack tournament. Um, but he gets griefed. Who wants to take the floor on this one and just give more about this, this topic here? Because griefing is something we've seen in Fortnite for so long. And it has never, and I mean never been action. Like, we have seen people, like, literally grief other players' tournaments and not a ounce of punishment come when it's literally in the terms of services that you're supposed to play every tournament to the best of your abilities. And what does it mean to, like, grief someone? Guys, that just means you are intentionally sabotaging someone else's tournament run. And unfortunately, more often than not, if you're within that top one to maybe fifth position, you're a, a target. If someone doesn't like you... Yeah they're probably going to want to take you down and ruin your tournament. That's what we call griefing. So I'm going to give my perspective from being there in person when everything was happening, and then I'll let SPG kind of 
take it from from home, right? The everything that was going on on socials, because it was very much so like worlds erupting in two separate locations, right? Social media and then obviously in person in the event, right? So from the from in person, um, I'm over at the stage, the main stage, which is on the absolute opposite end from the BYOC area where everything took place. And I could hear something was happening. So naturally, I progress over, try to figure out what the deal is, check in on Snacky, because he's like playing in his last game. And I was following everything that he had going on throughout the tournament. And I get over there and I notice like just a lot of tension in one area of the BYOC area. So I had no clue at this time what had happened. And then I'll. Yeah. One one real quick thing, BYOC is the bring your own computer area, guys. So the way DreamHack lands work in particular, you bring your own computer to the land and you set your own stuff up. Uh, just so, you know, the listeners can follow along. But go ahead, Panda. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, I, I hop back over into the area um, and I see Arab talking to somebody in the distance. I see like there's a lot of tension in the air, but I go focus on what Snacky had going on and Unfortunately, he didn't have the finals performance he wanted, so we kind of just called it wraps. We started wrapping up the, the PCs and stuff, and then I, I started to hear rumblings, right, like around us, people talking about, man, that was crazy. And so I start asking. I'm like, well, what's going on? Like, what happened? And they're like, dude, this dude griefed another dude, and he came up and, like, socked him, and, and it was just wild. And so I'm like, how did I miss this? I'm literally in the same place, like, so I, I started doing some digging, and they're like, oh, pull up Arab Stream. So we pull up Arab Stream, and he's doing an interview with the guy that just got rocked, right? Oh, my so, gosh. <laughs> uh, naturally, uh, he, he's over there with Oxy because they already removed Diego at this point, and, and Oxy's breaking it down. Um, but, you know, he's talking himself up like, like he didn't do nothing wrong. He was the one that won the fight, this, that, and the third. Like, there was just a lot of drama behind that. But regardless... So that's what's going on. So it, it wasn't until like an hour, two hours later that on social media, I was seeing the actual like footage of what had happened. But in person, everybody was everybody was talking about it. It didn't right. matter if you were in Fortnite, if you were in Fortnite, everybody was trying to figure out what was going on. Yeah. And, and just to kind of touch base on that, once again, Oxy's the player who was essentially live streaming or like in a Discord call with his friends literally intentionally targeting who was a first place candidate to take home the tournament which was diego eight thousand dollars is the first place prizing these players come on guys they commit their money they're harder in cash to get out here most of them don't have an organization to you know cover the fees and stuff like that so this this prizing means a lot but also just that say you won your first land means a lot too so it makes sense why a young diego what is he 15 16 years old that frustration builds up and he sees what's happening on Twitter and he sees the clips and the, the smack talk and the intentional griefing from this other kid and he just explodes. I'm not saying you deserve to get punched in the face for doing what you did, but he was asking for it, which is crazy. And just again, so we set the record straight, no one should be fighting at a land, guys. It's We're playing video games. Let's be honest here. I find it to be hilarious, yes, but... Guys, we're playing video games. You got to be better than that. And and that's kind of just bleeds into the, a whole bigger discussion. But that's essentially why Diego, it, it, dude, his, his cap popped off. He, he his, his bottle exploded, bro. He couldn't handle it anymore. He walks up and just impulsively decides to snuff this other guy. He just he just rocks him. Uh, the the yeah. kid 
from what I heard, you know, he had a smug look on his face, so that probably didn't help. You know, just laughing off the Discord call and thinking it's all good. So that probably pissed off Diego even more as to why it happened. Um, yeah. Funny, funny enough, though, just one more thing just to kind of ex explain. So kid gets hit. The, the victim gets up, and then he retaliates. He punches the wrong guy afterwards, which is funny. So he then swings at the wrong guys. He doesn't even know what's going on. And then the other, the new victim gets up and elbows the original victim. So it, it was a, it was a, an exchange between kids. It, it, it's pretty stupid. <laughs> but yes, that all happened. This is the Fortnite world we live in. Uh, SVG, go ahead, jump in. Yeah, so it almost sounds kind of like a random bar fight where people it, are just hitting people fight. and don't yeah. even know what's going on. It's a Fortnite um, fight. <laughs> and... <laughs> and one of the things that let's make this blatantly clear because people are like oh no diego's right oh no the other guy's right both people are wrong in this case like mm -hmm. you shouldn't be punching people and you shouldn't be griefing someone ruining their tournament like at at no point is either one of those okay and like let's make that blatantly clear um yeah. i do have a question for you guys you you guys are both there i actually fell asleep i'm not gonna lie i was asleep <laughs> at like 9 30 that night uh, so I, I woke up and saw all this in the morning, but wasn't there was a DreamHack stream for the event, right? Yes. And then oh, it yeah. got turned off. What happened with that? Because I, I, I there's no vods. So so this is what I'll say. Um, so 10 p.m. they had like a hard cutoff time, and so I wasn't quite sure what it was, but like they ended the broadcast like two games early, so there were still two games uh, left of the event and they hard cut at 10. So immediately once it's done, we're sitting there cause I'm sitting with Bryson cause he's doing social media for DreamHack uh, for the entire event. And um, all of a sudden we're sitting like right next to where the main stage was. A band starts doing a sound check. So <laughs> I assume because of the delays that there was a sound check scheduled and they couldn't push back the sound check. So that just meant the broadcast uh, had to cut. suffer yeah and and again this is all because the delays right we had a we had a lot of delays guys that pushed the tournament back the basically the players were playing until midnight and that's something else that kind of i guess bleeds into the discussion a little bit that no one was talking about like bro you got kids who's been here for like seven eight hours already and then have to prepare for their finals and then their finals game gets griefed or whatever right it, there's a lot of frustration that kind of built up to that that one singular moment. Um, and it was the first day of DreamHack. That's the most literally congested day. Like, everyone's trying to get tickets. The lines are dumb long. You got to show up. You're told, I should say, to show up super early so that you can mm -hmm. compete, you know, first thing in the day. And then you don't end up competing until, like, 5, 6 p.m. or whatever, like, way later. Yeah. It literally, they were showing up at 9 a.m. to drop their PCs off. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you, you put that two and two together, that's like a 14-hour day of just mentally preparing for a tournament then delays and then you finally get in and then you're you're in first place and you get griefed like look I, i'm gonna be honest like i agree with svg that look they're both in the wrong for what they did um but ninja put it best like listen if you're playing stupid games you're gonna get stupid prizes and that reaction from ninja after it happened and him in reverse were talking about it the next day uh, it it had me dying, right? Because it's kind of it's kind of true, right? I feel like we've we've lived in a culture where these these kids, especially the last couple of years, have lived behind a screen, 
and and they say some of the wildest stuff in this in this community and most gaming communities, right? And they think that there's no repercussions, and this is a firsthand uh, example of how words and actions can cause repercussions. Again, not justified, not correct. It's not the right thing, but. Listen, stupid games get stupid prizes. That's all I'll say. And as far as ramifications go, I believe DreamHack has officially banned Diego from all DreamHack competitions or something like that. No. That was the word. No. No, he's going. He's going to Sweden. <laughs> so now he's going to Sweden. All right. So, so I don't know what happened to be. I think I, I heard from through the grapevine that Cope kind of fought for him a little bit. Uh, okay. Because of the situation, so I don't think he's actually banned. And I saw he tweeted out that he's going to Sweden. Well, you know, but after it's good for his social profile. Sixteen K. Uh, oh yeah. If you yeah. want to talk about that, so yeah, no, we're Rex we're definitely there. We're we're, we're post dream hack now. All the craziness <laughs> goes down. Um. So. Well, Diego does get banned from DreamHack. I guess I'm guessing he gets unbanned from DreamHacks. Uh, the kid that griefed him gets his Twitch channel banned because he was streaming toxicity. So it just shows that the dude that got punched in the face, he's not a good kid. All right. He's doing all types of stupid stuff everywhere. He gets banned on Twitch as well. So that is another occurrence that happens post DreamHack. Um, then you have this thing go viral. Everyone in the space is talking about it. Twitter's buzzing. We have the left and the right sides, if you want to call it that. The side that's like, he deserves to do it. The other side's like, he could have killed that boy, right? So, you know, we get the two extremes all over social media. Um, I think the voices of reason are very clear. And, well, first off, no one should be fighting, regardless of whether or not it was justified. So we do have that representation here. Um, but what happens is you have this guy, Train Rex. We've talked about Train Rex on the podcast before. He's a wild man. He does a lot of wild stuff on socials, but at the end of the day, he has a he has a big heart and he likes to support people. He ends up actually giving Diego, the player that was griefed out of first place, double the prize earnings. So Diego walks away like a huge winner right now. Not only did he just get to beat up the kid that pissed him off, but he gets double the prize money. He gets all types of following. If you go to his social blade, his Twitter, he definitely grew from this whole interaction. And now everyone's parading him on the timeline. Someone literally just tweeted uh, Larson, another professional player with 21,000 followers, official uh, player, professional player for Team 33. He just tweeted like two minutes ago, Diego's his idol. Like a full photo of Diego with the shades. It's silly stuff. But basically, Diego's getting celebrated on social media. Um, and now you're talking about Diego's going to DreamHack Sweden, which is the summer DreamHack event that's going to happen. This is uh, essentially the equivalent to what would have been the NA event, except bigger. It's for EU, four times the prizing. No, eight times the prizing because there's 100K, I think, for zero build and 100K for what is the regular Fortnite game mode, whatever that's going to be, competitive or who knows. They haven't really released all the details from my understanding, but... It's probably going to be a comp game mode and a zero build game mode. But DreamHack Summer is a massive deal. Like, so much money is on the line. Well, let me, let me say this. One of the biggest adjustments from DreamHack Dallas to, to DreamHack Summer is going to be that it's supported by the in-game client. So it will not be... Uh, there will not be issues like what we saw at DreamHack Dallas. So that's already a huge step in the right direction. On top of that, um, ESL who obviously owns DreamHack, 
they're like based in Sweden and they're exceptional at in-person events. So I imagine that while DreamHack Dallas was nice, don't get me wrong, we're going to see a, a, a largely elevated event from the summer event. So uh, fingers crossed that it goes well. I'm, I'm hoping to try to sneak out there. We'll see what happens. But yeah, it should be much different. And let's not forget the Dallas event was promoted as an amateur tournament, right? So it, it did have that label attached to it. Not that it needed it. Like, let's be honest. Pros showed up. Like, you had great players show up from NA East, NA West uh, region, like just in general, Damn. and locals. So it, it was it was very far from an amateur tournament, if you want to call it that. Uh, just again, to kind of give you guys an idea. But yeah, DreamHack Summer is gonna it's gonna be massive. Tons of EU pros are already talking about it. You still have a lot of the NA East figures, like you said, or NA East and West figures talking about potentially flying out there. Um, the only reason I'm not going is because it's just a little inconvenient for for my liking. Like having them land in some international airport and then like four hour train out to the mm -hmm. spot. Like it's gonna be work to get there. So if you see anyone from NA show up there, guys, just know. They put in some work to get there, uh, which players like, uh, or not players, but influencers like Arab are going to be there. Aussie Antics is going to be there. Aussie Antics is one of the few people that have been supported officially with some DreamHack viewing parties. He had a booth at this Dallas one. Um, that went pretty okay with him. I, I don't think he's too happy about not being in like the floor with the players. There's something nice about that kind of vibe. Um, he was leaving his stream more often than not to go kick it like on Arab stream because Arab you know, he's got the juice, he's got the camera, he's on the floor, and it really was a fun time. So definitely some changes, I think, to happen for even the way the content's captured. And summer at Sweden is going to be like 10x, not even just the prize pool, but the, the competitive player base. We probably have at least 100 top-tier pros from multiple different regions going to this event. You obviously have all the Europe guys, you have a ton of teams from North America flying players out. I know even some of the OCE boys are going out. I've seen some rumblings about Middle Eastern players. I'm sure if we have all those, I haven't seen it. I don't speak Brazilian, but there's probably some South America or Brazilian players trying to make that trip. So this is like not just prize pool wise. This is going to be an insane LAN event where we get to see some of the best players go head to head for the first time since 2019. And Say say this this goes well, it goes poorly, it doesn't matter. It's going to be a massive teaser for the event that then comes at the end of this year. And if you guys like competitive Fortnite, I mean, these lands are... This is, this is what it's all about. This is what we've all been talking about for years now, trying to get back to seeing these events happen. And I'm excited. It's, it's a brand new season. These players are going to have to learn how to play within this meta quickly. We see... Epic is making changes to the meta very quickly to try and make it more competitive. So it's it's going to be interesting, and I, it's going to be exciting to watch. And the, the changes that we just saw happen, Shockwave's being removed and stuff, hugely impact this tournament that we're going to see happen next week, guys. We are literally about a week away, which is, again, extremely exciting. It really sets the stage for us. We have this fast development cycle. We have the biggest tournament of the season kicking off like in no time. And this is before FNCS. And like you said, it's going to be arguably even more competitive than any other thing we've seen um, undoubtedly throughout the last couple of years. So this is, this is a huge, huge tourney. And like I said, I would totally go there. I, I wanted to 
But man, it's so much work. I'm I'm stressed, guys. I'm already tapped out. Mentally. I did <laughs> I did do three weeks in Copenhagen. I did you know um my my weekend in Dallas. I got to go to New York City. It, it's I got to spend time with my family real quick. Like, dude, I'm I'm ping ponging around the uh the the world here essentially. So I will be missing this one. But please, whoever's gonna be there, post a lot of pics, post a lot of videos. I'll be following along. Um, and that kind of leads us into let, let's talk a little bit about FNCS. Um, obviously there was a big announcement at FNCS. November, we are officially returning to in-person events from Epic's side. Like, Epic mm-hmm. announced that they are doing something. Obviously, DreamHack and stuff like that is more, more than an official welcome back to in-person stuff. But Epic is actually doing their own invitational coming up pretty much in the, in the months to come here. So before we know it, we will be around that time window and we will be seeing whatever it is Epic's throwing down, um, a million plus dollars in prizing, right? As far as what I've seen already. I believe they said one million in prize pool. Okay. Um, yeah. And then they also mentioned, because everyone's wondering, like, how do I get how do I get in? Because it said the FNCS Invitational is the title of this event. So they posted a blog post. They're like, hey, we're going to be watching out, seeing how people perform in FNCS. And we're going to invite people based on that. You may or may not get an invite, but it can't hurt to place well in FNCS. Stick with your duo so they're not wondering, like, ooh, do we invite them from last season? We invite them from this season. And that is going to be so cool because who knows how that turns out, but that's going to be, like, the hypest event we've had in years. Well, on top of that, too, it's in our backyard, SVG. Literally, no matter what, if we get the opportunity to be a part of the event or not, we're still going to be there. <laughs> like It is in oh, yeah. Raleigh Convention Center, which there's a lot of questions about whether or not it'll have an audience. But from my perspective, they're, they're definitely setting it up to potentially have an audience unless something crazy happens with COVID or, or any any like monkeypox, whatever else is going on nowadays. Oh, gosh. But um. <laughs> No, because the, the Raleigh Convention Center holds thousands of people, so it's not small. And and we saw HCS get hosted there. I believe ALGS in literally three, four weeks is going to be hosted there. Um, so the, it, it definitely has the capabilities of having an audience. So if you're wondering if there will be an audience, most likely there will be, unless Epic makes the decision on a whim to not include an audience. And However, it just makes sense for them to. I would say, honestly... Plan for there to be some kind of audience atmosphere uh, at the event. Like, let's be honest. The only reason they wouldn't announce that out the gate, they don't want to set these expectations in case something happens from here to like, let's say two months out, right? Before they can really begin selling tickets and things like that. Um, But also, this is not just an invitational like, oh, it's in Raleigh, it's in uh, North Carolina. We're going to have any players. They have, I think, almost explicitly, or they have stated that, this is an invitational for FNCS as a whole. It's not just are you good in at, like at the NA region or if you live close by. No, like if you are a top performer, like we're probably gonna see European representation. You talked about the Brazilian community. We talked about um the Oceania community. Like I really genuinely see this opening up to what is an internationally uh international invitational. It's not just a regional invitational. So that is something else that's going to make this just just way bigger than a regular 
tournament would have been if it was just like an in-person thing because they're going to literally pair up the best of the best to go to head to head. So it becomes that much cooler and you open up the, I would say the fan base to that many more people. Like how often will you have that much international representation in one place? Like there are going to be people that will travel from all over the world to come to this because you're never really going to have many opportunities where potentially like Benji Fishy's there and Booga and like Jace from OCE or whatever, right? Like, like it just doesn't happen very often. So, um, I, I, I think we should all plan to, to be there in person. I, I think it's going to happen and same like you guys. Um, yeah, please call me, right? Like I want to be there, but you know, <laughs> e even if you don't get the opportunity to like be a part of the talent roster, I'm pulling up, bro. Like it, yeah. Done. It's happening. Like I'm gonna be there. So if you guys want to kick it, just just show up. All right. Some cool's gonna happen. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what's up. Um. So that was the big announcement of FNCS. But FNCS is, itself was a great event. We obviously got to represent for myself and SBG. We did NA East first time on a studio stage for SVG and Life of Panda. Um. Let's just. We got an episode where we kind of talked about it. It's more raw, but quick takes because this one's coming out first. Um, SVG studio expectations. What was it like for you, man? So I, I didn't really even know what to expect. So ex expectations were, were zero. I went in there. I'm like, I've never done this before. Let's go figure out what's going on. Obviously a little nervous going into a brand new environment, something that literally has never even been close to what I've done ever in my life. Um, all the broadcasts that I've done have been like what we're doing now, looking at a camera, talking to a mic, looking at computer screens. So I was hyped. Like, this was going to be so cool. You see the stage. It is massive. Like, it literally feels like we're at the ESPN studio doing, talking about Fortnite. And it's just this massive place. Uh, and then on top of that, to get to work with you guys, to get to hang out with everyone on a regular basis, it just felt like the overall show was better because not only were we not sitting in a room by ourselves we had this massive stage we were able to build camaraderie hang out get to know one another talk about what we actually were going to do on stage and work on the product and every single person there like from every single region is all trying to do a really dang good job and constantly get better which is so awesome to see and rarely in any kind of workplace are you working with a whole group of people that just want to get better and i was so impressed with everyone there because it was phenomenal hopefully it happens again but if it doesn't i i am quite happy that i got to have that experience and uh yeah that that's that's what i have but panda it was also your first time in a studio for fncs Let, let's hear it it was it was so so fun fact for svg um, that stage was bigger than any stage I've seen in my time at Disney that ESPN has. Because oh. I got I got to do a lot of backstage tours when I was with Disney, and one of those were the sets of ESPN because it was the early like um, editions of some of the stuff that we see now for Disney when they were starting to really put more investment in ESPN. But um, no, yeah, listen, it's massive. SVG said it. It was. I kind of had a similar take. I, I didn't know what to expect. I had walked like. Um, like news shots and i i'd done a lot of stuff where i'd been around stages in the past but like i didn't think about any of that coming into it i literally 
was like, okay, they're going to blindfold me. They're going to take me out. They're going to show me the stage, and this is going to be my reaction, right? So I let it I let it just be just a true raw reaction with no expectations going into it. And, man, was I not disappointed because the stage is beautiful. The cameras do not do it justice because it is just that nice, right? On top of that, there is there's some kind of it's just some kind of special feeling when you're there in person next to your your co-analyst and your co-caster where it just brings out a totally different side of you as a talent member because the energy just changes even for us when it's like six in the morning in in denmark time and we're we feel like new levels of energy going into the final games like it was something very, very special. And I'm super excited to see what the future holds um, because it looks like it's a quick turnaround uh, for next FNCS. I think it's literally a month for, on the day. Yep, that is right. They already have given us the uh, the next dates, the July, what is it? Yeah, like July 7th and 8th, the first weekend qualifiers start to kick off. So we'll be, we'll be traveling again very soon for anyone that's going to be back on the FNCS rotation. Um, and just for myself, for anyone wondering, dude, it was very nostalgic. Felt good to be back in the in the home court, you know? Uh, the stage was awesome. The, the stage, talk about courts. Dude, it's like the size of a basketball court, guys. Like, hoop to hoop. <laughs> like, the thing is, it's, it's long. It's massive. There's so much going on there. Uh, and it's interactive. The stage has all these cool lights and stuff like that, which is, which is really dope. And I want to give another, like, just a special shout-out to all of our new talent members that were on stage. Reese Hub, Mini Minor, Vivid. Um, you had Takata, right? A lot of people for that, for the first time they stepped on and into one of these environments and just crushed it. What you guys don't understand is that this live stream environment, the way that it's set up for the FNCS in particular, it's doing a studio show on hard mode, literally. You don't have the same crutches and support that you normally would have when you're sitting at a desk, even if you're in a studio desk because you have monitors in front of you and iPads and laptops and things that you can kind of lean into to help guide you, help you remember the course of which you have to take this show. When you're doing these stages, like the FNCS in particular, this one that you watched, you're standing there, you have you don't have time to pull out your phone and like, wait, where what comes next? Like you gotta know your business, know where you need to stand, know how to work the camera and understand how to operate the room right then and there and you don't have a second chance. So. Big shout out to all, especially our new talent members, that they did that without a problem. So I know we have a really sick team, and it's only going to get better. So it was a it was a huge and difficult task, I think, for people to tackle, and the the boys did it. The boys did it like like they've been there before, which is really really sick. So um, yeah, shout out to you guys. That's for you, SBG Panda, and again everyone else that we we brought up. If I miss someone's name from the talent crew, I apologize. But you know who you are. Um, it it, it was sick. So that, again, leads us into this next FNCS Finals. We're definitely, like, that's it. I think it, it's the, kind of set the bar from Epic's end. Studio shows are back. Talent is there. This is, like, our new expectation. We have lands. The updates in competitive are now what you see happening faster and faster. We could be looking at a totally new page in the books for Epic here. Um I don't know what to expect, but I feel very spoiled is what I'm trying to say. Because uh, we, we got a lot of cool things happening and things are moving really fast. So what, what, do, what do you got for us? So what I think we've seen, and it's not that hard to see, is it's kind of the snowball effect, right? 
they could have gone back in and announced some massive event, and that would be what led us back into all of this new of competitive Fortnite. But we were online for years. The FNCS has worked well online for years. And we started to see, oh, we're doing online media days. Now we're doing in-person media days. Now we're doing in-studio events. Now we're doing other in-person events such as DreamHack coming up. And it's like this snowball that keeps on rolling and rolling down a hill. So I'm excited to see how big that snowball gets, what it hits along the way. And I mean, we, we only know up to November. Fortnite seems to like to throw stuff at us all the time and constantly be changing what the plan is or not even changing, but like adding things to the plan, I should say, because I mean, even this season, we have a tournament basically every day of the week. It wasn't the daily cups like everyone wanted, but we have a tournament every day of the week. And if you like competitive Fortnite, you're, you're likely going to like the direction that everything's going right now. Yeah. And we're, and we're seeing a lot of that sentiment, I think be, you know, reflected back from the pro players. Like I said, Iamzo's post earlier, it, it seems like a small thing, but it's really a big thing when pro players who were once extremely toxic or not understanding of, you know, the position that they might be in. Um, and they just kind of, you know, lash out and just say crazy things. But, you know, to be more constructive, to think about it, you're building this rapport, the dev side to the player side, through the media days, through these meetings, through these opportunities. And I think the orgs are also going to stand to benefit from that as well. Becoming Legends in particular has been very uh, vocal and supportive of the new direction. It seems like they're trying to launch back up their next boot camp to get players and, you know, back into uh, their settings. But they're also talking about leveling up their content and stuff. So I wonder if there's a hand at play from Epic side as well, where they're maybe trying to support these ecosystems, right? This is not so far out of the realm of possibilities as far as the amount of resources we see being pumped into the space right now. So I am definitely curious. Yeah, I'm definitely curious too. Uh, but on a side note, SBG just said that World Cup 2 happens. In January next year, you don't say that. First. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Look, uh, no, realistically, like th this stuff's coming back and it's exciting and and I'm pumped because it feel I feel like it hit us all at once, right? We go into this this last FNCS season, and while we're in Copenhagen, you got Dream like or just before Copenhagen, Dreamhack Dallas. You got Dreamhack Summer, and then you have this Gamers Eight. Saudi tournament that we got to talk about, right? We did the Gamers Without Borders event um, just before we shipped off to, to Copenhagen before the FNCS season started. And uh, we had heard rumblings of a, a, a big in-person event, right? But now we finally have the actual dates. Um, and it looks like the event as a whole, because remember, it is multiple game or multiple different titles, right? So the event as a whole starts July 14th and goes through September 8th. Um, but from what we're hearing behind the scenes, the Fortnite event itself is going to be at the end of July. And it's actually going to be during the break um, that we've seen in the FNCS schedule. That two-week lapse um, where FNCS ends and picks back up in the finals. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I'm super pumped to see what pro players are actually going to go. Like who's going to be involved with the event. Um, because there are quite a few involved with the event ahead of time so it'd be exciting to see what they do yeah and to kind of jump on this topic you know my, my only problem with this saudi tourney is the lack of information like you mm -hmm. we, we're getting i don't know patches of the story 
from different areas and locations, parsed out of different conversations that people are having. Uh, one person says, no, I've been invited for these dates. Another says, nope, this is what I've seen. And then an article says something else. Uh, yeah. When you go to the official source, the Twitter, there's nothing there. You go to the official website, it's about as ambiguous as everything else. It's just $50 million. It's all they got. And they don't say what goes where. Some of the people don't even know if it's for charity yet or not. It started out for charity, somehow became a four cash tournament. I don't know. People don't know. We're confused. I think they're confused. And Lance returning means that we're going to have a lot of these issues spinning up. A lot of new people putting their hands in the Fortnite cookie jar. And, I mean, fortunately and unfortunately, there is just a system here. Like, it kind of has to work a certain way because it's been working this way for a long time. Granted, tournament organizers are always going to want to step in and Put their own spin on it. Do things their way. But at the end of the day, some of the fundamental truths of operating this game are going to remain that way when you're doing it without the in-game support from the Epic side because that's just how it works. So for things like DreamHack Dallas, for tournaments like this Saudi tournament, uh, tourney that's happening, I mean, if they don't have that in-game support, I really hope they're sourcing the consultation they need to help these player experiences go well. Because otherwise, people are not going to want to fly out to these tournaments and participate. Um, and I say that selfishly because I want to host the Prac tournament in land too. So, you know what I mean? Like, like, let's get it together, guys. Let's make sure we do it right. And, you know, just, just put that effort in. Of course, none of this is going to be perfect. A lot of people are doing this for the first time in a long time. Um, but information is key, man. In the, in the Saudi tournament, uh, tourney, dude, it's in Dubai. Like, who doesn't want to go to that? Like, it, it sounds crazy. But where's that info? We, we definitely need more. Um, what episode today, guys? Ooh, a lot to talk about. We, we could honestly could have elaborated on once these times. I'm, I'm genuinely surprised we even fit it in an hour, 10 minutes. Because we, wow. we were crunching. Wow. <laughs> we were crunching. Yeah. Fast, Easily could have been another hour. Fast talking today, guys. Trying to put a lot of words in front of you. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> y'all enjoyed this all. Um, let's, let's lay it down for uh, Panda here. We'll, we'll kick it off for you. We'll peace out today. Today's Tuesday. Next Tuesday, we'll definitely get another episode going here. We'll see, uh, I guess, what would be yeah, a week with the new changes in the scene and, and how things develop. So, and let the people at home know where they can find you. You already know. Twitter.com slash LifeWPanda. That's where I basically spend all my time. That's what you. And it's somebody's gun for me. Twitter, YouTube, that's primarily where I'm at. All right, boys, you heard it loud and clear. The boys are back in town. A uh, lot, <laughs> lot of stuff going on, man. Thank you guys so very much for being patient with us. As always, send all your complaints to me at the Fortnite Podcast at gmail.com. Um, I've been thinking about a lot of YouTube videos lately to start pumping out some stuff, uh, but I want to write them down. I'm going I'm to come in with some scripts. I'm going I'm to clean up some content, make some quality content, and... Uh, yeah, I'll pump some stuff out for y'all. For now, though, enjoy the podcast episodes week to week. Um, so until next time, don't forget to dance out those kills and boast in those victory house. Peace, y'all.